My best friend was my birth partner, which I highly recommend. Hi, I'm Carol Podell, and this is She Takes the Lead. Hi, party people. It's Carol. How are you? I hope everybody's enjoying whatever stage of the week they're listening to this. I have, again, a cold. I am loving this. I feel like this is going to be some slightly masochistic or sadomasochistic, I forget which one it is, joke. (laughs) I'm not even sure how I got the cold because my kid doesn't have a cold. Oh, by the way, the cold that I had a few episodes ago was in fact COVID, so good on me. Today, I am going to talk about solo momming. Solo mom is basically a single mom by choice. It's a new category to my knowledge. It used to be called single mom, but I think because there are so many single moms now, articulating the difference between a single mom and a solo mom is important to solo moms. This is not discounting anything because being a mom married single solo is hard. Period. End of discussion. New sentence. It's just hard. And as with anything in life, you have things that are that have their upsides and their downsides. So Just so we start off kind of clear on the same page, a solo mom typically refers to a mother who is raising her child alone without the involvement of the child's biological father, uh, without a partner, without a spouse or a significant other. So they're basically just bearing the responsibility entirely on them. They manage all the aspects of parenting independently. They oversee the financial burdens with no support. They make all the decisions regarding the child's upbringing without any input from a partner. That is a solo mom. There's so much more to that, but that is sort of the bare bones definition. A single mom refers to a mother who is not in a committed relationship or a marriage. She has co-parenting support from the child's father or the child's other parent. So in theory, there is more than one person involved in the raising of the child, but the mom is single. That's in theory, because as we know, there are a lot of single moms where the father or the spouse is nowhere to be found. They are raising the child in the same type of fashion as a solo mom is. That said, there are a lot of single moms who are raising the child and taking on a large part of the burden. They might share custody with the child's other parent, but primarily takes care of the child, you know, their daily needs. They also probably have to work as well. Or maybe if they have the primary custody, then you're balancing work and childcare and a personal life without a partner, and then has responsibility for the household decisions and parenting choices. Again, with a single mom, there's another person involved generally, so that happens. So that can be shared in terms of the scope. And then a married mom is a mom who's in a committed relationship uh, with someone who's involved in sharing the parenting duties and responsibilities with their spouse or partner. Anybody who's ever been married understands that there is no such thing as balance. It's If you put it into 100%, it can sometimes be 50-50, it can sometimes be 70-30, it can sometimes be 90-10. Every mom that I've ever talked to, that's what it looks like. Not necessarily with the mom taking on all of the burden or 
taking on, I don't like the word burden, actually, I'm going to change it, taking on all of the responsibility. But often in this society, matriarch, the mom is taking on more of the child rearing. It's just the way our society is built at this moment. There are a lot more stay at home dads now, which is really cool to see. And it works for the family because you have a lot more women that are in the workforce and are really focused in on their career or their career is the logical choice because they make more money to allow for. And there's stay-at-home dads who very much want to be a stay-at-home dad, which to me is also a brave statement because it's really not something that is the typical and probably gets a lot of pressure in a different way. I Actually, maybe I'll see if I can have a little dad on here because I kind of would be curious about their experience. That said, even those relationships often, there's quite a bit on the mom's shoulder. But in terms of a committed non-single mom or a married mom or a, a mom in a partnership with somebody, the household or parenting tasks, the financial load and the decision making, all of this happens in a unit with two people rather than one, which is certainly in a lot of ways easier, but I will tell you, it also in a lot of ways is harder. So these are the distinct challenges. There are so many more. If there are other categories of moms or or subcategories, I would actually be interested in hearing about that. If you can hit me up on social media, uh, you can DM me or comment in one of my posts. I would really be curious about that. So how I became a solo mom. <laughs> I... I've said before, I was married. I wanted to have a baby. He did not. There were other things that were an issue. And I wanted to be a mom. And my mom had me when she was 32 and my dad was 36. And when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, that was very old, which is kind of insane because I had my kid at 46. But as I was getting older in my late 20s and early 30s, I knew I wanted to have a kid. Um, it was never forced on me. My parents were not ever, you need to get married, you need to have kids. The truth is that they were much more interested in me having a career and having a successful life in that manner. Not to say that they did not want me to have kids or get married or find a partner. They very much did. I had found my partner early on, so I guess that was not an issue. And then they didn't want to meddle, I think. I mean, I think it was out of respect, not out of dismissiveness that they went that way. So my my mom was 32. My parents were also kind of progressive. I mean, they're liberal New Yorkers entirely. Back in the 70s, coming to New York and living in New York, which is not the same New York as it is now, both from very different environments. I mean, my dad actually grew up in the South Bronx until he was, I think, eight or 10. And then they moved to Connecticut. And my mom is from Alabama. So both very different upbringings. But for two people to decide to come to New York at that point was very progressive. And they were married for, I think, four years before I was born. So in my mind, my parents were usually like older than most of my peers' parents. It's not the case now, but that's really because I have friends that are the younger sibling. As I've said, before, I dated half of Manhattan <laughs> to try and find somebody that I wanted to have a kid with. And it didn't happen. At about 39, I froze my eggs in hopes that I would meet somebody. And at 41, I realized it wasn't going to happen in the timeline I had hoped, nor was it going to look like what I expected it to look. Although if I'm being honest, 
the vision that I had of like two people raising a child and me in a relationship doing that. I don't think I even had that vision. I think I was so very much focused on having a baby that the vision, the visualization of being that kind of family was not necessarily a part of my scope the way maybe it is with other people. I don't know. I have two besties that I really have known since childhood and basically they're like my sisters and I work through a lot of things with them. So when I realized that I wasn't meeting anybody and I didn't want to try to force something that wasn't right, I told my friend that this was happening. We go on these epic walks sometimes. We haven't done it in a while because life, but... Um, we go on these epic walks and like work stuff out. When life is happening, that's sort of how we end up just friending each other. One afternoon, we decided to go for a walk around the whole Central Park Loop. So it's about five miles. Literally worked out how I could pull off being a solo mom, a single mom by choice, from how I could deal with my apartment, how I could set up my apartment, how I could afford a nanny or babysitting or an au pair, what going to school would look like, what you generally have to pay out of pocket versus public school, pre-K, all of it. Like literally down to what happens if they go out, do I need to give the nanny cash to buy food or how do I do that? I mean, it was really like the dumbed down version of what this looks like. And I will say I am super lucky, like super, super fortunate and super lucky in many, many, many ways. Single momming is hard. It's taxing. It's very much like you're ice skating with one foot a lot. And you're really just trying to balance constantly. I think momming is also like that. But since my experience is single momming, also I call it single momming. I'm just going to call I, I refer to myself as a single mom. Technically, I am a solo mom, but I've called myself a single mom for so long that trying to change my reference is not going to happen. I'm too old and too stubborn. So then I spent four years on fertility trying to have my kid. I will talk about that more in depth because it's a much bigger topic than just a throwaway topic. And it's very much a, a huge part of my story. And I know it's such a huge part of so many people's story that it bears many conversations around it. And it's often done in private or handled in private. And it makes it harder, in my opinion. But I spent four years on fertility trying to have my daughter. Out of a miracle of miracles of miracles, I had her. So as a solo mom, every decision around her was my own. That's not to say that I didn't talk to my friends and family and my support and my therapist about this and the decisions that I made. I mean, that's the thing is that like, especially when you're a single mom, like the support is so critical. And I am very blessed around that. I have a lot of people that really show up for me in life. I really show up for them in life too. It is not one-sided and I know they appreciate me, but I'm very lucky. I have an unusual community in that I grew up in this building that I'm still living in. My parents live in the building. I have a lot of friends since childhood outside of my building, inside of my building. I have a lot of support that way. As a solo mom, my other best friend was my birth partner, which I also highly recommend. I'm not shunning having your partner be your birth partner. I think that's amazing. I'm sure it's amazing. And you don't want to like shut out the experience of the partner or the person who's not giving birth. However, I will tell you that having your bestie as your birth partner 
is awesome. We went to the Lamaze classes together. She was amazing, really studying what needed to be done and really taking it super, super seriously. Again, I don't have a reference for a partner uh, doing this. So this is my reference. She was like fully prepared. She like cleared out her calendar. We were constantly talking about it. So uh, I was due at the end of October and I was getting induced for multiple reasons. Number one, I had what is known as a geriatric pregnancy. I think it's now properly called an advanced maternal age pregnancy, but literally five years ago, it was called a geriatric pregnancy. Basically, I was gestationally ancient by the time I gave birth. I find it hilarious just because I do. So I was due uh, at the end of October. We back-timed it a few days. So I was going to get induced for a few reasons. One, because of my age. My OB, who I'd known since I was 18, I really wanted to make sure or at least do my best to make sure that she was there for my giving birth. And if you don't know, basically, you know, the doctors do like 24-hour rounds. It's feasible that the person who you've been seeing as your OB may not end up being the person who guides you through this process because they may be out of town or on vacation or they've just done their 24-hour round or many, 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 or they're not on call. In my case, we planned it so that she would be on call the day that I was induced. Additionally, that was my birthday. Also, typically when you're induced, it takes a longer time. I was expecting to go in the night before my birthday, but they didn't have any beds. So me and my best friend, we waited for a while until they had a bed. So we ended up going in at like 2 a.m., getting settled, getting me hooked up to all the things starting the induction, which proved to be hugely painful. I was also planning to get an epidural. I am not a hero. (laughs) I do not. I did not want to have to go through that level of pain. And I mad support all the women that want to do that. It's absolutely your choice to handle your body the way you want. I was 100% getting the epidural. Basically, when you're getting induced, they put this balloon. The balloon expands over time and forces the dilation, right? So your cervix is dilated so that it gets to be 10 centimeters dilated. So it's big enough for the baby to come out. I, from what I heard, it wasn't that painful. That was total bullshit. It was so painful, so early on, I could barely walk. And all the stuff that they tell you to do, Sid, I had the ball and I had like a massage and it was like a lovely room and it was a room, the room was my own. I didn't have to share the room, which was very unusual, especially given how many people were in that hospital that day. And I was in so much pain and so delirious from the pain and also just from that I'm having this child that I have proactively wanted literally for 12 years. So I spent four years on fertility, but literally I'd been trying for 12 years in some capacity to have this little person. And as I'm like writhing in pain, my best friend who's had cramps before and understands how painful they are, hence having your best friend as your birth partner, said, Carol, just get the epidural now. Why are you waiting? You were planning to get it anyway, so just get it now so you don't need to have all of this pain. And it was like the sky opened up and the sun shone through and I was I was like, oh, right. That's true. Let's get that in. And then also she was amazing. We've known each other for so long. And then it took, I don't know, 12 hours, which it wasn't supposed to, for me to give birth. 
It just went very quick. It was actually very painless until I was pushing. The contractions were not too painful until they were very much later on. And she was fantastic. She knew when to keep quiet. She knew when to support me. She knew how to ask for what I needed. She knew. It's just a different thing. As I said, I I just think having your best friend as your birth partner is the bomb. And that is, you know, one of those things that you have as a solo mom. You get to make that choice. I didn't have a doula. My OB is amazing. So I felt very at home. And actually, my, my mother and my aunt were also in the room when my baby was born. Like, it was just cool. Okay, so back to solo momming, single momming. You know, one of the things that's kind of hard is, you know, I guess I've been single momming now for five years. The pieces that stand out as a single solo mom, I'm going to have to keep prefacing it. The financial responsibility is obviously a thing. You are financially responsible. There's nobody else to necessarily lean on in most cases, and that can be challenging. I make a a nice enough living that I'm able to support my child and I don't have to work a second job. And I'm generally pretty good financially, although it definitely is harder because kids are expensive. The emotional toll that it takes as a single mom is interesting. You know, you're raising your child on your own. That means that you're child is with you all the time and there very rarely is a break. I I think that this comes from being an older mom too. Like had I had my kid in my early 30s, I'm not sure I would have been able to be as focused on her as I am now. I think I would have been thinking about other things and my career and what I should have been doing and everything else. And that's not to say that I'm not thinking about all of these other things that I need to be doing that is my career and my parents and my friends and the state of the world or or just what I need to get done in the day. But it's with a different understanding. My child is absolutely 100% my priority. And I, as an older mom, get that. Emotionally, it can be taxing at times when, you know, you need a break and there's no break. Again, I have support. So I, you know, I can ask a friend, can we have a play date? And I'm, I have my, my parent group of my daughter's friends are my friends. That doesn't make it as hard. I think New Yorkers, when you're raising your child in New York, if you can find your your parent group friend, we really do spend a lot of time together. It really isn't like, I mean, we arrange play dates, of course, but we also do like it's raining, who wants to come over? And I think that makes a big difference. I don't necessarily feel lonely or isolated. I know that that is definitely something that can happen. I do feel lonely and sometimes I do feel isolated, but the truth is the one time since I became a mom that I really felt like I was alone, like really alone, my daughter got RSV and she was spiking this fever for like almost two weeks. It was the year that RSV had just kind of become rampant and dangerous in young kids and um, and babies. Her breathing started getting into her chest. So she was doing this like chest concave breathing. And I took her to the doctor and the doctor ended up sending us to the emergency room. It was a Saturday. Like I said, my parents are around. My, my I have friends that are around, but my kid has RSV. My parents are 
not going to come to ER. Also, my parents are are in their 80s and they are very involved with my daughter's life, but they're not as active as they used to be. We got to the hospital. The hospital was great. It was actually not overflowing at that moment somehow by some miracle. We got her in right away. They put her on oxygen right away and gave her a steroid right away. And I remember sitting in that hospital room in the ER with my daughter on oxygen, sleeping, and I have never felt more alone in my entire life. She ended up responding to the steroid really fast, and 24 hours later, we were home, and she was fine. So it was a moment, and I really feel for parents who have kids who have chronic issues. It is hard. It's hard in general. If you have a partner, it's hard too. But truly, that's the one time that really stands out where I really felt lonely. I mean, I feel lonely because I haven't, you know, I don't have a partner and like, I'd like to have a partner who, you know, I can talk to and who I'm intimate with. And like, that's it. But that's a different kind of feeling. You know, that's not like, that's like a different kind of loneliness. I mean, I've got a kid around, I've got parents around and I've got friends around all the time. So like loneliness is is relative. I could use actually sometimes some some time by myself more than, than feeling lonely, ironically. Another piece that's kind of um, particular about single momming is time management, which I suck at. I work hard at doing it. I've actually just started doing this time management class. I'm really excited about it to try and work on balancing work, childcare, household chores. If I could possibly get personal time, that'd be cool. The thing that's particular is, like I said, it's like you're balancing on one ice skate. And you're balancing and it's fine. And the routine is what's balancing you. And you have your routine. But if you're off your routine even slightly, everything else seems to just fall. So currently I have a cold. I don't feel amazing. I don't feel bad. But that's a little bit that takes me down a notch. My daughter was in a toddler bed and it was time to get her like a big girl bed because she was growing out of the toddler bed. And one of our neighbors actually like last minute had a loft bed and it's an amazing loft bed. That's perfect. And we got it. Like I ran into her Friday night and we were talking about the loft bed. I brought my daughter to see it that night just because to make sure that I didn't go through all of this and then she was going to hate it and make my life miserable. (laughs) Saturday, it was freezing out that next day. I had invited everybody over at like three o'clock for chili. Everybody meaning like I don't know, I think it was like six or seven kids and like 10 adults and was planning to just let the kids run around and play and us have chili and hang out. So this is solo parenting. Saturday morning, I woke up, had to disassemble the crib myself by one o'clock when they came over fortunately to help me reassemble the loft bed, which the family did, her husband, her son, who's 14, and her. So I I got help doing that, but um, I'm very handy. My dad always just taught me how to fix things. He's a big fixer. I'm a big fixer. Like if I can do it myself, I will do it myself. Down to like, I had to be talked down from putting up the um, TV mount on the wall, like that, this like 30 pound TV mount. I almost started doing it myself. I like being handy. I enjoy fixing things and I enjoy knowing how things work. 
it's an interest for me. So it is definitely handy when you're a single mom to be handy. It's also like, you know, nobody else is in the house to fix things. So the window's broken, like unless you're calling the super or unless you're calling the repair person, there's there's nothing to be done but fix it yourself. So I'm not sure what other single moms who aren't handy, um, other than throwing money at a problem, but that also gets hugely expensive if you start throwing money at those problems. So for me, I think I felt kind of empowered that way that I, I know that when things go a little awry, I can fix it. That said... On that day, we got the loft bed, which meant that I had to clear out her room. The dresser that I had in there that matched the crib that I love no longer fit in the room because of how big the loft bed is. And I didn't account for that. So I ended up having to get her like a tall vertical Ikea wardrobe. And the house was already not very neat, but I had to basically take out all of my daughter's clothes from her dresser because it was heavy. And all of the toys, aka crap, on top of the dresser, in her bins that that hold all her toys, like everything had to like leave the room to put the loft bed in. It was last minute, so I didn't get to plan ahead to do it. I had to move everything onto my bed. We moved to the dresser. The dresser wouldn't moved through my hallway. So it ended up in my bedroom and then my dryer broke. And I had started washing some of the sheets that were going to go on her new bed, even though I hadn't bought the mattress yet. So now I'm surrounded by clothes that I can't put away because her dresser is not going to be that dresser, nor can I even really access my dresser because there are all this furniture and stuff is in my dresser. So the couch is filled with clothes that need to get put away. I had gone into her closet to try and empty it out. So I have some things that I'm going to try and sell because like I have a hiking backpack that was a couple hundred dollars that we never used. So that's all in the living room. Then I had all of her clothes on my bed her dresser in my bedroom, her crib in my bedroom. And then my dog, who's a Maltese Shih Tzu mix, got hurt and I needed to take her to the vet. So any plan that I had for cleaning up our space during the weekday while she's not there went away. And I bought this Ikea tall wardrobe to put into a corner so that it made more physical sense within the room. I was holding off on buying that for a little bit just because I kind of wanted to get my bearings and then ultimately realized without that piece of furniture, everything was going to stay the way it was. So I was waiting for the piece of furniture to come and put that together. I asked a friend to help me put that together. That's also a big thing. I never used to ask for help and I ask for help all the time now. Asking for help is very important and it's not a, an indication of you not being strong enough to do something on your own. It is not an indication that you are not capable. It is just an indication that it takes a village to raise a child. And that is true for everybody. So all of a sudden, my nice, wonderful, neat house that I had in every single room became a nightmare and it just imploded. And I needed that my dog has a cone and has medication she now has to take twice a day. And, 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 and the image of me on one foot on an ice skate is exactly what it is. I'm skating along, I'm gliding along, and then one thing changes and it affects every other thing in life. And ultimately, the responsibility to get the house back in order is solely on me. And that is hard. At least that's hard for me. You realize if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. And there's nobody else to even ask. One thing that I really like about being a single mom is that I get to make the decisions myself. 
I do. I like it. I I named her myself. I decided what daycare she went to myself. I decided whether she was going to be vaccinated or not. I decided what her bedroom was going to look like. I decide what is a priority in our house in terms of how I parent. I do seek input from my friends and family, but ultimately the decision is mine and it's kind of great. Like I don't have to compromise around that. I don't have to work it out or, you know, it's hard when you're with a partner and you're, you're having to like make a decision that's so important to you and so important to the kid and you don't agree. That's like a next level of trying to you know, figure things out. It's a lot. And then there's another challenge as a single parent is the role modeling because, you know, it's just me and explaining what that looks like. I live in New York. All families look different. Ironically, I have like a little network of single moms, but the truth is most of my friends that I see on a daily basis are married couples. I mean, it's pretty funny considering where I live. And that has been the case like from school, it's not even like, I mean, I, I used to make a joke. I was like, if I'm diversity in the school, then we have a problem, which we did. Cause I was like, you know, I was the only person in a, you know, in her class, there weren't even divorced people in her class at the time. I'm not even sure there are divorced couples in her class now, if I'm thinking about it, you know, modeling that for her. So I'm obviously her mom and her female role model within the family. My father, fortunately, is her major male role model, and he's a pretty fabulous male role model. He is her grandfather, not her father. It was interesting because when first when she was a baby, but old enough that you needed to kind of parent, not just make sure she doesn't die, (laughs) where you actually had to teach her right from wrong. Initially, my father was playing bad cop to my good cop, and it didn't work at a point because I'm the one that has to parent her all the time. I'm the one that has to be good cop and bad cop. It doesn't work otherwise because he's not, he's here and he's here a lot, but he's the, he's the grandfather. He's not in the household. She needs to listen to me. She needs to know that if something goes right, I'm going to praise her and we're going to discuss what went right. And if something goes wrong, we need to fix that too. And I'm the person, I'm the only person, I'm the main person. So when that happened, we really like, I realized that she wasn't really listening to me at some point, but she was listening to my dad. And at that point I had to have like a come to Jesus moment with my dad that was like, you have to be more neutral around this. I mean, you can't have that role, not because you can have have that role, but because you shouldn't have that role. He's also the grandfather. He shouldn't have to be the bad cop to my good cop when it's talk when we're talking about this stuff, because he should be able to enjoy just being the grandfather and giving her everything she wants and that kind of grandfathering, which he definitely does, by the way. But I can't then raise my child the way I want and need to raise her and keep her safe that way. And that was a big one that I had to like re-navigate the direction that I was going in. It's funny, like you hear about single moms, like the famous single moms, right? Like there's like the super famous single moms. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer actually started out as a single mom, which was not very common at the time. Um, she adopted a little girl, I think in her 30s, when she was in her 30s, just before she ended up meeting David E. Kelly. And then they basically became parents together almost immediately. Speaking of which, I date not a ton since I've had her, but definitely dated. And, you know, the question like, when do I bring somebody into the house to meet her? Like, you know, how do we do sleepovers? Like, these are all sort of questions. I mean, these are questions that single moms have too. And I I don't know if there's ever really a right answer. I think it's like really about like the kid 
and what's going on and the, the history of the relationship. And my daughter's asked about dad. She's never asked like, why don't I have a dad? Um, I have single mom friends whose kids have said, why don't I have a dad? And I suspect that question will be asked. I started literally at birth to have an open dialogue around the fact that she is being raised by a single mom and that families look different. I have books on it. I have adjusted books. I have taken like white out and literally rewritten the, the words in books to read to her so that it's inclusive to single moms, you would actually be surprised. You actually have to look deeper than I think most people would think in 2024 to find books and journals or, I mean, I remember getting like the baby book, the keepsake book that you get um, when the baby's born that you put her footprint in and you put like her first haircut in and that's that kind of thing. And the first one I got, it had multiple people in it, but so much so that I couldn't actually adjust. It was for two parents. It was genderless so that you could adjust it, but it was not single parent. The way that the book was structured was that there were two people involved in this family that were raising the child. So I actually had to go on Etsy and find one or one that I liked, I guess. But I had to find one of those books that was specially made for single parents. So there is definitely like a lot of things that are not yet inclusive of the single solo mom or the single solo kid. There's a lot more people that are doing it now, like the celebrities, which is really where people start to hear about these things. I mean, New York, there's plenty of families that look different. I think and I hope in lots of other places in the country that or in the world, really, that solo parenting is becoming more common. Sandra Bullock adopted, I think, a boy on her own. I believe Cheryl Crow adopted two boys on her own. I think Charlize Theron adopted two. I haven't seen as many people openly do it with a donor. I think Cameron Manheim openly did it with a donor that she knew, which is next level. I mean, if you find someone and you can work that out legally and everything else, I think that's very cool. I did not. I used a anonymous donor. I know about the donor, etc. but I used an anonymous donor and I wanted to carry her also. Like that was important to me, which is why I didn't go the adoption route. There were other reasons, and I will talk about those when I talk about fertility. And I think right now, Whitney Cummings, the comedian, just became a single solo mom. She just had her son recently. And she's been a big proponent of freezing your eggs, which I'm also, by the way, a big proponent of. I really think, especially in this day and age, if you can get the money together to do it, do it. I think it's a game changer. And I think parents, this may be controversial, but when when your kids who can have babies are in their 20s, I definitely think if it's possible, pay for them to have uh, do a cycle to freeze their eggs. We are living longer. Women are doing so much more. And we have big, 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 big dreams. And we should be able to have those big, 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 big dreams. But the truth is our biology is limited in time. You hear about people having babies later on in life, but what you don't hear is the number of people who were not able to have babies later on in life. So uh, that's just my little uh, service announcement. I definitely think if you have the way to help your child or if you uh, yourself are in your 20s and you have a way to freeze your eggs, I definitely think it's important. Then just put them away. You don't have to think about it. Just put them away. Let them be there. You may not even ever have to need them. May you not never have to need them. But if you do, they're there. And I admire Whitney Cummings for, for talking about that for so long. I'm kind of curious. I don't know if she actually used her 
frozen eggs to have this baby or not. But actually, she she's got a podcast and she she does um, video for the podcast also. And she's you know she's got the baby in the room while she's recording the podcast. That's what solo momming is. That's what single momming is. You are doing everything. You are feeding them. You are working. You are sleeping with them. And that that can also be sometimes scary because like I'm a kind of a rough sleeper. I have very graphic, vivid, dark dreams with like blood and guns. I don't know why if it's if that's what's happening in my subconscious and it's just cleansing it. And they're not scary to me. They just are. But I was very, very afraid for her to sleep in my bed. I, we did not really co-sleep because I was just too scared to do it when she was a baby. With all that said, I would do it again. I would do it again and again and again and again and again and again. I love being a mom and I love being a mom to this kid. And we have this kind of amazing bond that I do think is because it's just she and me. We're a little unit and it's really cool. It's a very special experience to, you know, Gilmore Girls it. (laughs) It's a very, very special experience and I recommend it. I always say you're allowed to have more than one dream. With that, dreams don't always look the way you think they're going to look. This was a dream of mine. It didn't look the way I thought it was going to look. It looked better because the truth is that my family life is so fulfilling and so full. That's Not to say it's not hard and exhausting and maddening sometimes, but it is so full and there's so much love and happiness in the house and in our world that I wouldn't change a thing and I would absolutely do it again. I think the biggest things that I've learned from being a single mom, solo mom, you can really do anything. You may not be able to do it all at once. You definitely can't do it by yourself and it very much may not look like what you are expecting or think you want but you can make it happen. I've made so many things happen that I never would have thought. And I have seen so many things happen that blow my mind, blow my mind. Okay, my loves, with that, you go out and you do what you can do because the truth is you don't have to be a single mom to do the things you never thought you could do. You just have to step one foot in front of the other. Being a single solo mom just sometimes requires it more often. If you're thinking about being a single mom, do it. Or a dad, do it. If you want to talk about that or have questions about that, please feel free to DM me on Instagram or Facebook. I am about a blonde, about a blonde official. To all the moms out there, you're loved. I am rooting for you. I want you to succeed and I know you can. It's not easy. It's never easy, but you're in the game and you're playing. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe. Also, if you want to keep in touch, go to Insta at About a Blonde or Facebook at About a Blonde Official. Also, you can sign up for my mailing list at www.aboutablonde.com. Have a great day. Mwah.